Today, I'm really excited about today's message. If you were here Wednesday, you'll probably feel like it was a little bit familiar because it kind of is. Um, I really did an extension of the message from Wednesday because of I, I kept, you know, I'd get the message ready and God would be like, no, that's not it. And I'd be like, and then I'd feel like, it's like, every time you're giving me this, it ends up being almost the same thing as I preached Wednesday. And he's like, I know. I'm like, are you sure? Like, you know, I'm like trying to question God a little bit. You know. No, but I'm, I'm just, there's obviously a reason why God wants this preached. And even if it's just for me, I don't know. But it's really going to be just practical. I really love to teach on practical things and, and something that we can apply into our lives really easy. It's not some crazy spiritual thing and getting into the deep things, you know. And No, it's just real life. You know, I'm not a full-time pastor or minister. My full-time job is a project manager for a construction company that I own with my parents. So, you know, this is coming from someone who's in that real secular world every day. So it's not just someone from the pulpit saying, oh, you can do this. No, this is something we can really do. But to get it started, we have a video we're going to play, and then we'll get going. So obviously this was a secular song from a secular uh, band, so don't throw your rocks yet. There's a reason I played this. Um, but this song was done by public, but it made it into the top five of our billboards here. You know, and if, it, if a song makes it to the top five, people relate to it then. There's a reason. There's something that they connect to with that song. This song, music, is, it's really about connection. It's not about, you can have that most awesome sounding song, but if it doesn't connect with the audience, it doesn't do anything. So obviously that song is connecting with people here in America. It's connecting that, why is life so heavy? Why is... Why, why do I feel like I'm going crazy? Why, can't I, why am I just holding on? And I think it connects even more than just in the secular world, but a lot of the times in the church. And not just specifically this church, but the church as a whole and Christians. Of why is life so heavy? Why, why do I feel so heavy? And then this song, it, it tries to diagnose it. You know, if I just let go, I'll be set free. Well, and that's partially right, but and that's this is how the world operates. You just let go, just let go of it, they, and then they give you medicine to help you let go. They help, give you medicine to help you let go of your mind, your emotions, your your self control. But just let go, and that and that's where the diagnosis stops. You need to just let go. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Well, if we're just letting go and not replacing it with anything, we're just going to go right back to where we were at. We're just going to go right back to life being heavy laboring, where you're just like that hamster on the hamster wheel. The cheese is on the other side of the hamster wheel, and no matter how fast that hamster runs, he's still not going to get the cheese. And a lot of times it feels like we're like that sometimes. You know, and Jesus had a perfect cure for this. He had the perfect cure for this worry, this anxiety, this everything that is going on in our lives. And you find it in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Jesus says, come to me all you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus was speaking right there to everyone. Hey, if your life's feeling heavy, if you feel like you're running on the wheel and you can't get somewhere, come to me. 
I will take care of it. I will take care of your burdens. I will take care of the heaviness in your life. And I will make it light. I'll make it easy. So, just to pull these up, I I pulled some stats from some different polls around America. Right now, recently in the most recent studies in 2017, 18% of the American population suffer from diagnosed and medicated anxiety disorder. Two out of ten people that you see are medicated for severe anxiety. Not saying I'm some against all these medications, but I'm saying there's something deeper than what the doctors are seeing. American uh, 2016 poll about uh, how many Americans worry about the economy. So, 60% are worried about not being able to pay medical costs of a serious illness or accident. 60%. 51% are worried about not being able to maintain the standard of living they enjoy. 41% are worried about not having enough money to pay their normal monthly bills. 64% are worried about not having enough money for retirement. 45% not being able to pay medical costs for normal health care. 34% not being able to pay your rent, mortgage, or other housing costs. 21% not being able to make the minimum payments on their credit cards. 21% of people aren't even worried about just getting by, but they're worried about paying the payments on the money that they never even had. 2017 poll of Americans worried about war. 36% of Americans are very worried about going to war right now. 30% are somewhat worried. 25% are kind of worried. Only 8% are not worried at all about going to war. More than 6 in 10 workers say they worry they will lose their jobs, a record not seen since the 1970s recession, according to a new poll from the Washington Post and Miller Center. This is 2017. After the economy has come back up, people are still worried about losing their jobs. About a third say they worry a lot about losing their jobs, which is also a record high. 65% say they also worry their family income won't be enough to cover their needs, with nearly 20% of people worrying at all times 24-7. of people are worried at all times, all the times that you see them. That is crazy. Here's an article, American Pessimism. Only 6% of people in America think the world is getting better. 6%. So let's just take this for a second. How much of the percentage of the church is American, probably? How much of America is the church? And only 6% of Americans think the world is getting better. So that tells me a, a lot of people in the church don't even think the world's getting better. We have better technology. We have higher incomes than we've ever seen. We have better health industry. We have better medical care. We have a longer life span. We have all these different things and only 6% of us are thinking the world is getting better. And here's the reason why. We're moving further and further away from God. Even in the church. That's crazy. We're moving away from God's word. We're moving away from what God wants for us. Even in the church. But here's the thing. It's really simple to fix it. It's nothing hard. As a nation we've become worried and heavy people. And worry and anxiety has infected the church for way too long. 
It's a tool of the devil to paralyze us into fear. Worry and this heaviness is just a tool from the enemy to, so that we don't reach God's best in our life and that we don't reach out and help other people to reach God's best. While we were in Europe, Morgan and I, last year, we were there and we would lead teams around Europe. And uh, we were getting ready to lead one team uh, into Brussels. And the, the airport, first of all, Brussels, two weeks before, that airport had been bombed. So we were flying into that airport two weeks after that. And then the same day, an hour, or the day before, an hour north of there, there was a big terrorist attack. So we got to Brussels, and there were supposed to be 25 people from this church showing up to, to help us do outreaches. Guess how many people actually came? Four. Four people. I'm not, not, judge, not a judgmental statement, but I'm saying that the other 21 people let fear and let worry change their destiny. They let 24 people let worry and fear have other people's destiny change that they were supposed to reach. And God had a plan. And the team that flew, the four people that got there, it was crazy. Because I don't know if you guys heard about the coup in Turkey. That, but that coup in Turkey happened an hour after they left that same airport. And you can't tell me that God was not protecting them. And that's a testimony that they got to go back and they got to share. And, you know, that's kind of a mountain. Because then when we got there, the first thing we had to do was we had to figure out how to get them back home. Because they're supposed to go through Turkey, but we can't go through Turkey. All the borders are shut. They're not letting anyone in, and especially not Americans. So, but God took care of it all. And it was actually cheaper for them to go through this other way. It was awesome. You can't tell me God doesn't have a great plan for no matter what you're going through. So, it's time to let go. It's time to let go of the worry. It's time to let go of the heaviness. It's time to let go of what is weighing us down in this life. But when we let go, what are we supposed to hold on to? Because if we just let it go, it'll come right back into our face. So once again, we go back to Matthew 11, verse, or chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's best is to not have a heavy life. God's best is to not be weighed down with anxiety and depression and, and all these emotional things where we don't want to wake up in the morning. God's best is where we are, we're so excited that it's hard to go to sleep because we're excited to get up and go to work the next morning because we have people to reach, we have things to do, and God has an awesome plan for our life. That's God's best for our life. We have been so hardwired since we've been born to worry. To, to be concerned. It's almost like if we don't worry, people don't think we care. It's almost like if, if I'm, here's, here's the question um, you ask a mom, how's your kids? Oh, I'm worried about them. And it's like, it's like them saying, I love them in our language, but that's, that's not how we show love. That's not right. And then if you don't say you're worried about them, if people are like, they're not worried about their kids. They must not like them, not care about them. And, and then, you know, it's, uh, you ask them about their job and you never hear someone, oh, my job is great, I'm secure, I never have to worry about it. They're like, oh, I'm worried about it. And it's like, if we don't worry, we're not caring. But here's the definition of worry. 
You can look it up on Google. It says, give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And nowhere is that definition does it say the word caring or loving. So if you're worrying about your kids, if you're worrying about your spouse, if you're worrying about anything, you're not caring more. You're just giving the devil a place in your life. It's actually just making things worse. Because faith works in both ways. What we expect, we're going to receive. So if we're worried about our kids doing drugs, going out and drinking, driving home after they've been drinking, doing all this crazy stuff, guess what? There's probably a good chance it's going to happen. I mean, you've been confessing it over them to everyone else in your life. Why, how much better would it be like, well, I don't know what they're, they're doing or something, but God's going to take care of them. God's going to lead them down the path. God's going to reach out to them. And we start speaking positive things over our kids instead of something negative. You know, if we show our kids the light, if we show, this is why I love children's ministry. It's so easy. You paint the picture, this is what God wants for you. This is what the devil wants for you. That kid's like, who would pick that? That's stupid. You know, and the, but the adults, it's like, well, God might be doing some of that to us. You know, kids aren't like that. They're like, God's good. God's great. God loves me. Jesus loves me. And they start singing a song. They, they understand it. They get it. And if you continually paint that picture up through, you know, their, the double digits, through the teenage years, through their 20s, they're going to pick the light. Even if they, if they fondle a little bit in the darkness, they're going to find out real fast. I don't like walking around when it's dark. And they're going to come back to the light. We don't have to worry about it. And here, here's one of the other things that, especially in our lives, it's right now, too. If we, if we go around... It's a, it's a real big thing, especially in the media. Like, if you don't have a hard life, all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, they're privileged. <laughs> they don't know how to work. They, they've had it easy in their life. They're not. It's just, I've had a hard life. And then, like, you have a competition. Oh, I have it harder. I have it harder. And you got one up, like, no, you don't understand. It's hard. It's hard in my city right now. You don't understand. Pueblo, their economy, it's rough. It's, oh, man. And you just get all mad, and it's like, in Pueblo, sometimes I have to click one or two at an ATM for English or Spanish. Click the one. Who cares? If you, like, get over it. You know? People speak Spanish. Get over it. Learn Spanish. Okay? Come on. Sorry, that was, that was a little extra. But gets me fired up when people get all mad about that. It's like, who cares? After you go to another country, you are so glad for the clicking one, two, or three. Because I'm like, I'm dumb. I can't speak any other language. And then these other people are speaking like four languages. I'm like, man. But guess what? You're the children of the king. You are privileged. Why be ashamed of it? Start acting like it. Own it. When people say, oh, you're just privileged, I'd be like, yeah, let me tell you about my privilege. It's awesome. My life is great. My life is simple. My life is easy. My, my burden is light, and, and the yoke is easy, and people are like, oh, that guy, just, he, doesn't know what to, he doesn't know what he's talking about. The world hasn't hit him yet. The world is hard. It's like, no, I have God's privilege, and that supersedes anything else. You, we should be so privileged by God. We should be enjoying his privilege so much that we should be embarrassed by it. You know, and, and here's just, this isn't bragging on Elijah. This isn't bragging on what I've done or what Morgan's done. This is bragging on God. You know, I'm 22 years old. Morgan is 21. We, we bought our first house a, a while back. We're getting ready to buy our second house, turn the house into a rental. 
you know, I, I own part of a construction company. We've traveled in Europe for doing missions work. And she's a second grade teacher. And it's been so it's not like we have like just this massive amount of like salaries or anything. But God is just working things out. And, and it's awesome. God finds us the, the house that we wanted, gives us the deal, and it's already worth more. Like the, the first house we bought, we bought it for 60000 got it appraised last year, it's worth 98000 already. And I did pretty much nothing to it. And it, it's awesome. That's how God, God will set you up with divine appointments, yeah. He will set you up with divine things, and you should be privileged. I mean, sometimes I, I almost feel bad sometimes. I'm with like my friends or something, and they're like, man, I just hate my job. It's, it's not that great. It doesn't pay well. It's horrible. And then I'm just over here like, cool, I'm sorry, man. And I, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow. I get paid well. I, this is awesome. I work around great employees. I work around, and it, it is awesome. We've just been so privileged in the business. I mean, the business, this year we've already made the revenue from last year. Like, it's just awesome. We have been growing and expanding, able to hire more people, able to minister to people, and it's just awesome. And, and it's not anything Elijah or, or Morgan. It's all God. And, and there's no thing. And, I mean, that's where we need to be. We need to have the attitude. It's like, it's almost embarrassing when you're around your friends because it's like, they're all complaining about stuff. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I love it. I love life. And it's just, you know, we have to retrain ourselves that life shouldn't be hard and spent worrying. It's not, it's a normal thing in the world to, to just worry and to, to learn to worry all the time and, and have this hard life and have an uphill battle. And you talk to your grandpa and he rode his bike up, uphill both ways to school. And, it, and it's like, oh man, life's going to be hard. And you know, when I have grandkids, I'm going to tell my grandkids, and I'm like, I rode a scooter all the way down the hill from beginning to end. It was easy. It was fun. And any mountains that I had, I had enough momentum. I just went and jumped over it. And it was it was simple, and my grandkids are like, oh, man, that's going to be great. Life's awesome. You know, we don't have to paint this image of you're going to struggle. You're probably not going to make it by. But, like, everyone's like, oh, if you're in your young 20s, you're probably struggling financially. I'm like, well, I'm still waiting for it to come. You know, it's, it's just not God is awesome, and God has placed people in my life, and God can make it to where you don't have to have this battle, and you can enjoy the privilege. You don't have to have this hard life. Romans 12.2, we got to retrain our thinking. Romans 12.2, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many of us, just don't raise your hands, <laughs> how many of us just fit into our culture? We just, we just complain about our jobs. We, we complain about our bosses. We complain about the house that we own. We complain about the car we drive. We complain about this. We complain about that. And my life is hard and it's heavy and it's and, and I understand, if you're in that place, no condemnation. That's okay. But guess what? Your life's about to get better. God's got a better plan for you. So if you're in that place, let's not stay there. Let's change the way we're thinking. Because I've been in that place before. You know, and it, this, is, this sounds funny. I was in that place, but I really had no reason to be in that place. I think some of us, you know, I was, in, I was in high school, so I didn't have to worry about bills. I didn't have to worry about this. I had a car that was... Uh, paid for, you know, I didn't have a, have a thing, and then my parents actually paid my insurance, so it was awesome. You know, I paid for, like, my own gas and anything that I wanted, but 
when I was popular, I was captain of the hockey team, I had all this stuff going for me, I had scouts scouting me for scholarships and different stuff like that. And then I'd get home and it, oh man, my life sucks. I have no purpose. And it was just like, I complained, I hated going to school. I got to where I didn't even like going to hockey practice and I was supposed to love practice, you know, love hockey. And it was just like, life was rough. I didn't like it. I didn't like the car I drove. I didn't like, didn't like my parents. I thought I knew everything. They didn't know anything. You know? And it, and it was it was rough. And here's the thing. My thinking is what caused me in that position. My choice. My choice. God never left me. God never forsake me. God was continually the whole time. Looking back, I mean, he was sending people after people after people trying to help me. My youth pastor, he almost had to kick me out of youth group here, actually. It was bad. I mean, I was, a, I was the kid making trouble, but he never gave up on me. And guess what? God has turned my life around so much so, and it's been awesome. I've enjoyed his privilege. Next part of the verse, says, instead, instead of fitting into our culture, this is what we're going to do. Instead of fitting into our culture, we're going to fix our attention on God. When we fix our attention on God, our mind will change. You'll be changed from the inside out, not from the outside in, not from the stuff that you're getting, not from, this, from anything around you, not from your job, not from anything. God will change you from the inside out, and then things will change on the outside. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. This is, this is kind of important because if we know what God wants us to do and we wait on it, there's a good chance we're never going to do what it do it. Because we're going to think about it and we're going to argue with ourselves. If God tells you to go minister to someone, you better just do it. Because in my life, if I'm thinking, I don't know about that, I'm just not going to do it. If I don't, just do it right away. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Once again, Get around people that increase you. All my friends, like, you know, we're 22, 21. All my friends are like in their 30s, their 40s. I have, we have one group, one, one couple friend, and they're, they're the same age as us, but they're really mature for their age, and it's awesome. But I don't, we don't hang around the people that are going to bring us down. We're not going to hang around the culture that's going to bring us down. Sometimes you got to cut a little bit out of your life, but we got to change what God wants for us. We got to change our thinking about what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to just get by. God doesn't want us to suffer. God doesn't want us to have this heavy life. God wants us to have an abundance. And I'll prove it to you right here. John 10.10 in the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. God doesn't want you to just get by. God wants you to overflow. He wants you to overflow with love and joy and peace and happiness. He wants you to overflow financially. He wants you to overflow emotionally. He wants to overflow in what your, your reach and, and, and your job and your promotions. God wants you to live a life that you enjoy. Once again, we go back to the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and you tell a kid that. They're like, yeah, that's the devil. And then God over here, he wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to be full of life. He wants you to enjoy life. And he wants you to have a great life. And he's got a plan for you. And the kid's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's Jesus. I want that part. 
and then we get older, and we're like, maybe God does want me to suffer a little bit financially. Maybe he's trying to get me to understand that I need to spend more wisely. God's not doing that to you. God's not breaking your leg. God's not making you lose your job. We have to have it in our foundation that we know that God wants us to have a great life. God wants us to live a privileged life. And that's almost a cuss word sometimes in our modern days of being privileged. I'm a privileged child. I'm a privileged kid. Not a brat. Not, not, not a privileged brat, but I am privileged. I understand where it comes from. And I am going to enjoy God's privilege throughout my life. When we turn our lives over to God and we put His kingdom first, when we change our way of thinking, that's when we can start enjoying this privilege. So many of us, we think, okay, I'll get myself taken care of, I'll get my family taken care of, and then I will go out and help. And that is very respectable. That's an understandable goal. That's an understandable way of thinking. And, you know, that's a lot better way of thinking of, oh, I'm just on, not take care of my family either. You know? But here's the place of where there's okay, and then there's good enough, and then there's good, and then there's great. But if you want to live in the great, and if you want to live in the full privilege of God, this is what we do. We put the kingdom of God first. We put what God wants us to do first. And then we will overflow financially. We will overflow emotionally. We will overflow in our relationships and our family. People will, will flock to us. That's when it changes, is when we start to put God first. And when, when God says go, we go. When God says jump, we jump. When God says stay, we stay. You know, sometimes God hasn't opened up the door for the next promotion because you haven't done what you need to do right there where you're at. God's still waiting for you. God's saying, I'm not withholding anything. I'm just waiting for you to take the next step. I've already, I've already got the door. I've already got everything set up, but you just need to take the next step. And you have to realize that. God has people around you. We have to have a bigger picture. We have to change the way we're thinking that it's just not all about us. Just like in the song, it says, I know the universe is not centered around me. But then it just kind of stayed there, and it didn't say what it was centered around. See, the world is getting half of this right. The world is getting half of it right. It's saying, let go. We know the world's not centered around us, but then they have nowhere else. It's just this dead end. And it's time. We don't need to stop at the dead end. We just take the right turn to God, and we just turn our lives completely over to God. Matthew six thirty-one through 34. Putting the kingdom of God first, life will be awesome. So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These are the things that people that don't believe in God should be worried about. Not us. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and He will give everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God will supply everything that you need when you seek his kingdom first. Let's just think about this too real fast. God's heaven, in heaven, the, it talks about the, the streets are paved with gold. Here on earth we use asphalt. Would you rather be sinking the kingdom that paves their roads with asphalt or do you want to sink the kingdom that paves their, their roads with gold? I mean, he's got so much gold, he's just like, oh, throw that on the roads. You know, we, God, we, we, we have a place for this gold. Where do you want us to put it? Let's put it on the roads. We've got a bunch of it. You know, that's the king that we're seeking after. That's the kingdom that we're seeking after and putting first. When we start to put God first in our lives, worry and anxiety is a thing of the past. This heavy life where we have to walk uphill both ways is a thing of the past. 
When we put God first, that's when we can jump on the scooter and ride downhill. Mark 8.35. This, this is just the easy equation of how putting worry and anxiety and your heavy life behind you. Jesus told his disciples this, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And you want the quickest way to have a life full of joy, a life full of peace, a life where you're just happy to get up, a life where you don't wake up and go, oh man, I woke up. Or you want to get excited about your job, spending time with your family. You just lose your life to God. You just say, whatever you want, God, I'll do it. This is, this is all for you, God. Because I know your plan's best. A lot of times we're so, we get so worried, well, what if, if I turn my life completely over to God? What if he calls me to go to Africa? Then you will enjoy Africa. You will enjoy wherever God has you. You will find the most joy in the center of God's will. And that is so awesome. It, and, and you can get to a point to where almost when you start not enjoying something, you're like, I must have missed God somewhere. And then you go back and you're like, oh, it was right here. And then you get right back in God's will. And man, life is, it, it's daisies. You know, when you're like those cartoons where they're walking through the fields. And, you're just, it's awesome. and I'm not saying that life won't come at you. There, there will be something that happens. But the awesome thing is when you are walking with God and you have lost your life to God, your life isn't yours anyway, so you don't have to take care of it. God's going to take care of it. Just like th- this is how, this is to the point of where I think about with God. I don't believe I own anything. God owns it. So if something breaks in my house, it's not mine anyways. God's got to fix it. It's like a landlord. I'm just stewarding this for right now. I'm just, I just want to fund the kingdom through this. I just want to, to expand God's love. I want to show people how much God loves them. So, but if something breaks of mine, it's not mine anyways. I just, you know, just like if you're renting a house, the water heater goes out. The, what's the first thing the renter does? You call the landlord. Hey, the water heater went out. Landlord's got to go, got to replace it. Same thing with God. If you start believing to where you don't own anything and it's God's, all of a sudden stuff gets easy. Life has just been, it's been awesome since me and Morgan decided to just go all in. Life's been 20 times better, 100 times better. I mean, it is awesome. And, it, and he will call you to things that you had never gone to. And you will believe bigger than you ever did. The, the first mission trip I went to, to Germany with Karis, I came back and I told Morgan, I was like, we're going back. Probably next year. She's like, okay, cool. You know, I was like, no, we're going back. God said we're going back. And she's like, okay. You know, like, because that's how most people are. If they say they're going to do something, a lot of times they just don't do it. And I was like, no, we're doing it. Anytime I say I'm doing something, I'm doing something. And I thought I was going back for like two weeks. God said, no, you're going back for a whole summer. I was like, well, God, what about my job? He's like, I'll take care of it. What about, what about finances? We'll take care of it. You know, it was just awesome. And most of what was even cooler is most of our trip, we just paid for out of our own pockets. We took very little from donors. And it, was, and it was awesome. Giving it all to Jesus is going to give you confidence and it's going to give you courage. Whatever you run into, when your life is completely turned over to God, it's awesome. It's just like, I think sometimes we lose a little bit of the Bible because of the time that it was written it in the time we are in now. Because when you had a king, you, there was just more of a, you know, it's just like it'd be like, say you're traveling with Donald Trump right now. 
you know you're getting first class service. You know that you're protected. You know that no matter what you guys think about Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, just keep your opinions to yourself right now. So, it, I mean, if you're flying first, you're flying Air Force One with Donald Trump, you know you are the most protected person in the whole wide world right now. You, are no, you know you're with the most powerful, say you're best friends with him too. And, and whatever, and he, he gives you a, 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 a ring that says, whatever you want, you have the full power of America backing you. Whatever you're going to do, wherever you walk. I mean, if, you, if you're walking with Donald Trump, you could walk through the middle of Afghanistan or Iraq, and you know that everyone's behind you. You know that every troop is behind you. And that's the way with God. He, has given, he said we're ambassadors. And isn't God so much bigger than Donald Trump or the United States of America? Isn't Donald Trump so much... Not Donald Trump. Isn't God so much bigger than the world? Isn't God so much bigger than anything that can come against us? But we have to start putting that in our foundation. We have to know that God is for us and not against us. We have to know that we are more than conquerors. And we have to change the way we're thinking. We've we got to reject this idea of we have to live a hard life. Even in the church, sometimes it's been taught in the, the old hymn, when we all get to heaven. No. But when we all get to heaven, we don't need help from God. We're already in heaven. We need help now. We need, we need, when, when we all get to heaven, there's no more ministry. People up there are already saved. You're, well, I'll do God's will when I get to heaven. God doesn't need your help when you're in heaven. That's your reward. Come on. God needs your help now. God's given the planet, God's given the earth to man we got to go out and we got to reach people now. And, and this is a time-sensitive thing. We only got, I got about 100 years, not, not quite 100 years left. That's not a lot of time, but that's a lot of people I can reach. If every person reached out to one person and led them to the Lord, the whole world would get saved. Just think about it. If every person led one person to the Lord, the whole world would get saved. So there's somewhere where we're missing a little bit. And I think that somewhere is because we're not even living to God's fullest in our own lives. So it's hard to reach out to other people. You can't give to people what you don't have. And if we haven't received God's love, His grace, His protection, His peace, we can't give it to other people. Why would the world want to come to a church and be a part of Christianity when we are all looking like the exact same. The only, there's a, the only difference between some Christians and the world is we pay some tithes. We, and that's, that's where it ends. You know, let's not be at that point. Let's not be where the only difference is is we go to church on Sundays and throw some money in a bucket. Let's not be like that. Let's enjoy God's privilege. David, in Psalms 103, I didn't give this to the people, I'm sorry, but it says, forget not all his benefits. So David obviously knew there we could easily forget them. Let's not forget God's benefits, his love, his grace. The whole reason that he came was to have a relationship with you. It talks about in the Matthew that, you know, the kingdom of God is like a merchant that finds a, a pearl in a, in a field, and he goes and he sells everything he has to get that pearl. And a lot of the times, 
we get it backwards to where we think that we should be the merchant and sell out everything that we have to get the kingdom of God, which isn't a bad thing to do either. But in context, it says the kingdom of God is like a merchant that finds the pearl of great value and sells everything. We're that pearl. And we have to realize that we're that pearl and that we enjoy the privilege of it. God sold out everything. He gave his only begotten son for you. Let's remember that. Let's not take that for vain. Let's not live life in vain and having all this, this power that we have and, and this, this joy and then just leave it and say, well, I'll enjoy it when I get to heaven. That's like a millionaire having a million dollars in his account. And he's like, I'll enjoy it when I die. It's a little bit better for us still than that millionaire, but still, it's like we have that million dollars in the bank and we never have used it. So let's change the way we think. When something unexpected comes our way, we won't have to get scared when we sold out to Jesus, when we've given it all to Jesus. Proverbs three twenty-five through 26, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. This is just like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're fighting with another little kid and you're like, my dad's going to beat you up. <laughs> like, and, and, I mean, that kid has full confidence. Even if his dad's only like 5'6 and 120 pounds, he's like, my dad will beat your dad up. And, like, and, it, and it's on. Those are fighting words. And another kid's like, well, my dad. But we have to start getting that confidence where my dad will take care of this. My dad is bigger than you. I mean, we could have Satan himself knock on our front door, and we'd say, get out of here, dude. My dad's back. So, And it's not this confidence in ourselves. It's this confidence in God. And that confidence in God only comes from when we start to have a relationship with him, when we change the way we're thinking, when we realize that God wants the best for us, that God wants us to live a whole and a happy life. Philippians 1.28, I love this verse. Don't be intimidated by any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. I mean, when you have that confidence, you don't have to be intimidated by your enemy. And your enemy could be anything. Your enemy could be someone at work that's talking bad about you. Your enemy could be your checkbook. Your enemy could be that car that keeps breaking down. Your enemy could be the house with the roof that's holy. Your, your, enemy could be, your enemy could be in your mind. Your enemy could be your emotion. Anything. But when we have this confidence in God, all of a sudden we're like, you have nothing on me. Yes. And, the, and this weight that these things that can, can put on us and the stress will go away. Because you know that even if God has to come down in the flesh by himself and just reach out and grab you out, you're like, God's got it. No matter what, he'll take care of it. The other great thing about being with God and turning your life completely over to God, you can be exactly who God made you to be. You don't have to act like someone else. You don't have to prove it to someone else. You don't have to act like you know something that you don't know. You can say, I don't know. You can be comfortable in your own skin. Whether, you know, whether you're, you're tall, short, skinny, larger, Whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you can be completely comfortable in your own skin, and you don't feel like you have to change it. I mean, growing up, I was like, man, I wish I could be like, I'm the shortest person in my family by, like, 
almost a foot. I mean, even my girl cousins are all like six foot. And I'm like, man, this sucks. And I used to have this like complex of like short man syndrome. So growing up, man, I was a fighter. I always beat them up because I was like, I'm proving it. I'm short, but I'm feisty. You know, and I had this like huge anger issue and it carried over into life. Like in playing hockey, it was bad. I'd just start fights for no reason. But God will even free you of that. Now I'm like, I'm short. I don't care. Whatever. I do wear cowboy boots every once in a while. It helps me a little bit. You know. But no, it's, I don't have to be. It used to be at work. If I didn't know something, I didn't feel like I could admit that I don't know it. Now I'm just like, I don't know. Let's figure it out. You know, it's so freeing to be able to just be like, this isn't my expertise. I don't know this. Or to be completely who you are. You don't have to talk about something that you don't really know, but then you talk about it like you acting like you know, and then everyone knows that you actually don't know. Because it's like, everyone has that one friend who, he just, he like talks about cars all the time maybe, and he has no idea about cars. And you're like, this is pretty obvious, because he say, says things like, I'm not going to change my blinker fluid tonight. I'm like, <laughs> you're just like, alright man, that's cool. You know, but when you have confidence in God, you don't have to feel like you have to fit in or try and say something or try and prove to anyone. When I get up here and preach, I don't have to prove to pastor. I don't have to prove to you guys. I don't have to prove to my wife. I don't have to prove to anybody that I'm supposed to be here because I know God has put me here. And that means whether my sermon's good or bad, I think it's great. I'm like, man, did you hear that? I just preached the best sermon anyone's ever heard. You know? Why are you guys laughing so much? Yeah. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze away, all these veterans cheering us on. This is the message version, just so you guys know. I like it because it just really hammers it home in this one. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish, in and with God, he put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever it was, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we renew our minds to his plan for us, it doesn't matter what's along the way, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's relationship-wise, whether it's job-wise, whether it's your boss hates you, whether it doesn't matter what it is. We can look at it and say, God's got this. And we don't have to live this life of heaviness and feel like we're always trying to climb uphill. We don't have to labor so hard. It's to where people ask, how's life been? You're like, man, it's been easy. It's been great. And people will just look at you so weird like life hasn't hit them in the face yet. They haven't had anything bad happen to them. And then when they say that, they'll be like, no, bad things have happened. But guess what? I'm privileged by the God that I serve. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how he can change your life. Now, that's a testimony. When people can see your life and want to be, well, what's different about them? But first, we got to get it in our own lives.